This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got fellow uh, nerds with me today, AJ Vickery and John Beeler. Thanks for coming in, guys. We have an awesome program. So later on, we're going to be talking to a few cool guests. We've uh, got our uh, best science nerd friend, Peter Vogel, coming in to talk about... I can't even remember the name of this thing. Software defined radio. Okay, so this is this is uber geeky, and I know a lot of people are going, I don't care, but you have to you have to listen to this because it's kind of neat. These are like little USB sticks that allow you uh, to actually pull down information from overhead aircraft, from military planes, uh, to even weather satellites from Russia. It is it's pretty cool. So a USB stick, a computer, and uh, some old rabbit ears. <laughs> we'll uh, give you the lowdown on that. Uh, we'll also be talking to the organization called Makers Making Change. And this is kind of cool. They actually uh, connect people that have disabilities with makers, people that have things like 3D printers and different technologies that can help them make uh, different devices uh, and projects to help disabled people uh, live better lives. It is amazing stuff. And we'll also be talking with uh, tech guru Mark Salzman about the gear to get for back to school. Let's talk some news right now, guys. Uh, TELUS and Shaw have had major outages uh, happening uh, this week. And it just kind of shows you how dependent we are on the internet. In BC. In BC, especially. Uh, Shaw, they had uh, outages, uh, I believe, in Surrey and Delta, British Columbia. People were without phone TV and internet for a couple days. Ah. Can you imagine? Your whole yeah. world would collapse. I, I can't imagine. Like <laughs> the internet goes down for like a few minutes in my house, and honestly, riots. There's riots. I go. I drop low in the polls. Essentially, I'll be overthrown like very quickly by the kids. Uh, tell us email shortages. Like it's going on and on. What's happening? Well, it was interesting how they you know were quick to blame the hardware failure. It's like. So fix the hardware, <laughs> but it's been dragging on and on and on. Um, what's interesting, just seeing on social media, a lot of my friends that definitely rely on Telus for their email service, they haven't. They've been in the dark. They've been in the dark ages for like a week. Yeah. So like having a Telus Telus.net email address, which again is kind of in the dark ages already. But yeah, because well, I was going to say, unless you're making buttons, um, you know, almost it affects every business as well, right? Yes. Because the, pe- the internet goes out at our office, people pack up their, like, it's been out for two minutes, people are packing up their desks and walking out the door. I'm like, wait! <laughs> <We're good." laughs> I'm just going to reboot the router. Let me just reboot the router. <laughs> but email, uh, and this is something I recommend to everyone. I know a lot of people still have telus.net email addresses or shaw.ca. Whatever their provider is. Whatever their provider is. Not a good idea. Because no. you know what? One day you might change providers mm-hmm. and you lose all that. And grandma's mo- gonna, not going to keep a track of where you are then. No, <laughs> all that email mojo that you have is gone because you're going to have to switch. So I always recommend uh, like a, uh, an Outlook AOL. or yeah, or <laughs> Hotmail. I think Hotmail still, you can get one. Yeah. Uh, or the, probably the best is Gmail. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know Google's going to be around a little bit longer. Yeah. But what if you don't want Google to have your information? Too I know late. people. Too late. I know Too people just, who have yeah. that. AJ, that ship has sailed <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, but yeah, so Telus has been down. Can you imagine if you're running your business off your Telus email address? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you're screwed. Good. You're screwed. Well, and they've offered them a twenty dollars credit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Read the fine print. Twenty twenty bucks. Twenty. Bucks. I mean, obviously they're doing their best. I I, I get it, and yeah. that's you know a nice gesture. Twenty twenty dollars credit, but uh, again. It shows you how dependent we are on uh, these systems. And if you have a Telus or a Shaw email address, get a Gmail address. 
because or, or, or Outlook or Hotmail or something else. Yeah, something that's not tied to your provider. Me? Can you still get me? No, he's gone. iCloud.com. iCloud. Yeah. Apples. Yeah, but it's a problem. You know, Google Gmail has gone down. Yeah, it has. But not for days. Not for days. No. No. That's the nice thing about distributed networks. Uh, let's talk about The Matrix, the movie. You remember with Keanu Reeves and... Uh, Do we remember? Yeah. I, I say goodnight to Keanu Reeves every day. <laughs> what is it, Carrie Moss? Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie Ann Moss, yeah, Canadian. Man. Both Canadian. Yeah. She's, Van- she's from Vancouver. He's from Toronto. Boom. Isn't he Winnipeg? I'm not Somewhere sure. along the way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they made three Matrix movies. I love the first one. The, fir- the next two... I can't even remember the plots of those ones, but... It got a little funky. But didn't... Wasn't the third one that big outdoor party where everyone's dancing and... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Spoiler alert. uh, If you haven't watched all the Matrix movies, a few people have died along the way that (laughs) would make this movie... (laughs) Tricky. Tricky to remake. But I guess the idea behind the Matrix is that, from what I understand from remembering the movies, it, it keeps cycling. It keeps rebooting. That's right. Yes. The architect will reboot the system. And is it Warner Brothers? They need to make more money as well. Yes. They're rebooting <laughs> the franchise to make another billion dollars. Doesn't mean we're not excited. No. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, Mark Salzman's here with Back to School Gadgets. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. I've got uh, a special guest with us today. His name is Mark Salzman. You might have seen him around. He's in the movie theaters. He writes articles. He's on TV's new TV show as well. He's going to talk to us about uh, back-to-school tech, items that uh, would be great for any student uh, going back to school. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Yeah, pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. And good to see you uh, the other week at the Samsung event in New York. Yes, uh, very good. Your hair is not as gray as mine. (laughs) Well, let's just say I'm naturally enhanced every month or so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, You know, when your head's like on a 60 foot screen at the movies, you know, I, I do my best uh, here and there to take care of it, but we do, I think we still look like brothers and, you know, we, we still get those comments to our, you know, our, our, our followers say that to you, right. I see it at the movies and they say to me, Oh, you know, like you still watch it the, uh, on uh, airplanes. So I think people are confusing us still. I just pretend I'm Mark Salzman. Yeah. It gets me more friends. Like, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about some of the back to school gear. Uh, you've got a whole yeah. list. Uh, let's uh, start with uh, a smartphone. What do you what yeah, do you recommend? So it's actually the phone that we saw a couple weeks ago that I think is great for a student for a few reasons. I'm referring to this uh, little guy right here or big guy. It's the Samsung Galaxy Note 10, and I, I think it's great for students for a few reasons. So as your as your followers likely know, Mike, there's a three main hallmarks to a a Note phone. One is a large screen. So you can multitask, you can have, you know, picture in picture or split screen. You've got all that real estate in which to play around with for work or play. The second is a lot of power under the hood, like, you know, a serious processor and, uh, and great battery to go along with it. And the third is the S Pen. So this is like a little stylus that's tucked underneath that lets you draw on the screen or jot down notes, you know, and the education experts do say that you retain information better if you handwrite it opposed to typing it. And I think there's something to be said for that. Um, so this is great. And then you can digitize your handwriting now. You can have it uh, transcribed into text. And now there's these new uh, what's called error actions. You can move this stylus like a wand in front of your device in order to manipulate content on screen. So I think it's uh, all around a, a great device for students or anybody in the business world even and a uh, lot to like about it so it starts at 1259 that's fully unlocked and they're offering a free accessory for pre-orders as well 
Well, it's interesting. A lot of people think that is a lot of money, and it is. There's no question. But yeah, uh, you have to look at device. No yeah, you, you have to look at what you do with it, right? So, I mean, if you're any type of creator uh, or a student, just being able to use that pen uh, and being able to take notes uh, while you're in class uh, that is uh, a fantastic tool. Yeah, I really, I really do like it a lot. And if you want, you can pick up a, a Bluetooth keyboard, or I'll show you in a moment uh, a laptop option. It's not a one-size-fits-all scenario. You do have to assess your budget and assess your needs. But I do think the Note family, which is what I use, by the way, I have the the Note Nine, last year's model. Uh, when I'm in meetings, I I use it all the time. I like the feeling of a pen uh, to write down notes and then having it digitized after the fact. What's next on your back-to-school list, Mark? Yeah, so regardless of the phone you go with, earbuds are, of course, a trendy accessory. Uh, there's a couple of them on the market. I really like these guys from the House of Marley. They're called Liberate Air. So House of Marley products, both their headphone line and their speakers, their boom boxes, they all use sustainable materials. So this has like a nice sort of bamboo finish. They use uh, this exclusive fabric called Rewind, which is made from recycled water bottles and organic cotton and uh, reclaimed hemp, which is, you know, really, or it's all giving back to the environment. They've planted 168,000 trees, House of Marley, around the world with proceeds from the sale of items like this, 50,000 of which are in BC alone. And these work with both Android and iPhone. You just pop them in your ears, tiny little earbuds that uh, work wirelessly via Bluetooth with your favorite uh, smartphone or tablet or laptop, nine hours of battery. And then the case has another 23 hours built in, built in. So, you know, you pop it in, but uh, great audio quality for your music, your audiobooks, your podcast. And when a call comes in, it has a dual stereo mic. So the person you're speaking to will, will tell you how clear you sound. It's as if the phone was held up to your ear, even though they're just tiny little earbuds, uh, uh, so 179, again, they're called Liberate Air from the House of Marley. Very cool. I love that finish. I like that wood look to it, like most of their products have. Uh, some people are concerned with these earbuds uh, of them falling out of your out of your ear. How have you found that? Yeah. I find that these are pretty snug. I've had good experiences with most of them out there. Uh, the Bose ones I find were uh, a little too big uh, for my ear, even though the sound quality is fantastic and you do pay for that uh, premium. But these ones stay in your ear pretty good. You know, so even if you're active, I had a, I had a friend, uh, a colleague of mine who's a broadcaster in uh, central Canada, and I get, got a pair for him and he said he worked out with these and they didn't fall out at all. And I find the same thing. You can walk around town, no problem. And they're nice and snug. Let's talk about wearables. Uh, what are you what are you looking at? Yeah, I think a wearable is a nice to have for a student, maybe not a need to have, but it certainly can help you stay on your game. Uh, so I've got here the Apple Watch Series 4. I know you're familiar with this product and I like it for a few reasons. It'll help students stay on their game by slightly tapping, you know, uh, on your wrist, a slight vibration to remind you, hey, it's time to get to class or an, an assignment is due. You can tap your wrist to buy a coffee on campus, for example. Um, you can raise your wrist to your mouth and ask Siri a question and get a human-like voice giving you an answer. There's a lot to like about these things. It'll remind you to move, to, to breathe. There's games. Um, you know, uh, and I like the SOS button. If you press the button at the bottom there, you can actually, it'll, if you know, heaven forbid you're on campus and you're not feeling comfortable about your situation, you can uh, press that button to immediately call the authorities. Um, it's usually 519. So it is a premium product and you do need an iPhone to use Apple watch. Uh, but eBay has it on sale for 459, which is 60 bucks off. If you're, if my math is correct. And, uh, that's at ebay.ca slash deals. There's all kinds of good tech. A lot of people don't think about marketplaces when they're thinking about buying tech. They usually go to their favorite big box store, and that's cool. But you can definitely save some money um, by by shopping online um, 
you know, 60 bucks in that case. 60 bucks is 60 bucks. Uh, right? What about... Exactly. Uh, what that about- could be put to your beer money when you're on campus, right? That's it, right? <laughs> so much Laptops. beer money. Let's, let's, <laughs> Laptops, yes, let's, let's go there. Uh, I'm changing the topic now. Um, I would argue that a, a computer is the most important accessory uh, or, or tech tool, rather, that any student of any age uh, should rely on. Um, and it can be overwhelming to decide which one is for you. I've got with me here the Lenovo ThinkBook, which is, of course, cut from the same cloth as the ThinkPad for the business world. So that's like the iconic business laptop that fuses, you know, portability and durability with performance and security. So this ThinkBook is no different. It's got a a, a, a start button, if you will, that is a, also a fingerprint reader. So it'll log you into your device securely so you and only you can access your, your work. Um, it's super light. It's made with magnesium and aluminum, so you don't even feel it in your backpack. It comes in 13 or 14 inches. When the lid is closed, uh, it's still downloading your updates and, and getting your emails and things like that. I like that feature. Um, and boots up in 0.5 seconds. So you're not waiting for your laptop to start after the lecture does. You can just, uh, you know, get in your seat, boot it up, and you're good to go. Or a library, coffee shop, dorm room, what have you. It's 915 for the 13-inch model. And then it goes up from there if you want deeper specs or you want the 14-inch model. But again, that's the ThinkBook from Lenovo. Let's talk about printer. And I know what you're going to recommend because I'm recommending this as well, uh, the Epson EcoTank series of printers. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. In fact, it's kind of behind me. Last year's model is in my home office right there. Uh, but I've got the newer one right here, the ET2760 in white. They changed the color uh, scheme. But that's really not as important as the fact that out of the box, you get two years worth of ink. So it's a cartridge-free system. You don't have to uh, you know, run out of ink, uh, always at the most inopportune times, and then have to pay through the nose for a cartridge that's not going to last you too long. That was always the pain points when it, can, when it came to uh, printers, and in this case, printers, scanners, and copiers, all-in-ones. But now you get these bottles that are easy to fill, and they last up to two years. That's up to 7,500 pages in black or up to 6,000 pages in color. And then when it is time to buy more, they're, as I mentioned, really easy to fill. You see a little level that shows you when you're running low and they're inexpensive. They're under 20 bucks a pop, which is like half the cost of a cartridge these days. Um, I love the fact that it's not just wireless, but it has voice enabled printing as well. You can actually use your voice to print documents from your phone or from your tablet or from your laptop or desktop. So again, it's called EcoTank is the name of the family. The uh, ET2760 is the entry level one at 379 and it goes up from there if you want, you know, higher page yield and some other bells and whistles. But I definitely, as a, a home office, uh, uh, I'm a, I was going to say a Soho, small office, home office uh, guy. I rely on it all the time. I'm always printing contracts and documents and 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 um, uh, boarding passes. And I have not replaced ink in in many, 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 many months. So I love it. Yeah, I've had one uh, for uh, a little while now, a couple of years, and I I couldn't go back to cartridges. Like it's yeah. just. I don't know, you've got kids as well. Like how many times yeah. are you there Sunday <laughs> night at, at 8.30 yeah. at night and, you know, the kids have obviously left their project uh, to the last, last minute. minute is due mm-hmm. Monday morning. The stores are closed. The stores yeah. are closed or about to close and you're out of ink. Or uh, what I was smiling about there, Mike, was that I, my daughter Maya loves printing photos. She's old school. She like decorates her room with printouts of yeah. photos of her friends. And I used to always cringe when she would want to print photos because, as you know, that's just going to gulp up all your cartridge ink. That's but her. That's her like, college. Like, that's her college education fund gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like now. I'm like, go for it. She's like, Dad, can I print? I'm like, Yep. I don't even need her. To, you know, because <laughs> I it doesn't even make a dent. So it's it falls into the why didn't anybody think of this sooner category. 
story. Uh, and I love how uh, Shaquille O'Neal is their spokesperson in the States. And the catchphrase is just fill and chill. And I think that's very clever. I, apparently, he came up with that. Uh, and it's true. So that's that's definitely a must have. And then one more is, is good Wi-Fi. I really think that uh, whether you're in a dorm room or at home still, maybe in high school, we all can relate to Wi-Fi dead zones where those pockets of your home that just don't get good Wi-Fi, whether it's an older home, maybe you've got concrete walls, or it's a larger home. So a mesh system, and I know you've talked about this on your shows before too, Mike, is, is a great technology because it's not just a router, but these little access points that you can place around your home. It makes a wireless handshake, if you will. So they all communicate with one another. And now you've got very broad reaching, fast and reliable Wi-Fi. So I've got with me here the D-Link Cover Power Zone mesh Wi-Fi system. And it's a three pack. So it consists of this main router, this tri-band uh, router, so very fast and powerful, communicating with two of these cover points, as they call it, that you place elsewhere in your home. In fact, it can support homes as large as 6,500 square feet with this uh, three pack. And then even if you have a larger home or a small business, if you're using it there, you can add more of those cover points. There's also parental controls. So if mom and dad want to have uh, easy access to an app that limits the amount of internet the kids are using, you know, maybe certain times of the day or certain devices, the ability to turn it off if they didn't do their homework or if it's time for dinner and they haven't uh, come to the table yet, you can do that all from the app. So lots of good parental control. So it's called the D-Link uh, Cover, C-O-V-R, Power Zone. And it's usually $429. I've seen it for as low as $329. So $100 left, less. And I think that's ideal for any Anybody, whether you're a student or not. That was Mark Salsman talking all about back-to-school gadgets. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Pleasure, Mike. Good to chat with you. Thanks for having me on the show. When we come back, we're going to be uh, talking with uh, fellow science nerd Peter Vogel all about uh, capturing uh, not only air traffic data, but also weather satellite photos from space, all with a, a tiny little USB stick and an antenna. And uh, we'll be speaking with the folks over at Makers uh, Making Change uh, about how they are connecting people with disabilities to makers that help come up with cool devices, uh, assistive devices that make their lives easier. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo in studio. I've got a special guest in today. You know, we read all these bad stories about technology lately, and especially when it comes to things like privacy and what have you, but technology can be used for good as well. And in studio, we have our guest, Chad Lehman. He is with uh, an organization called Makers Making Change. Thanks for coming in. To the studio on the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Give me a chance to share some of the work we're doing. Explain to our listeners what you guys are all about. Yeah, Makers Making Change is a project of uh, the Neil Squire Society. It's a Canadian charity, registered nonprofit, been around for 35 years. Uh, what Makers Making Change is trying to do is connect people with disabilities to assistive technology um, through a new sort of delivery method. So instead of being um, a commercial product that someone may buy, or maybe there isn't some that exists or it's expensive, it's using um, hobbyists, technology, maybe STEM programs and libraries and schools to help fabricate assistive technology for people with disabilities using 3D printers, Arduino boards, or other sort of t uh, tools and things you find at a hardware store. Why? why? Why does this organization exist? Like, why not rely on corporations and technology companies that uh, already have all these facilities and people to, to make these types yeah, of there's, products? There, there's definitely a gap. If you're going to work, there's funding from the government to help you go to work. If you're going to school, there's in theory funding to help support that. Sometimes there's big long lead times for that. And then there's other things that don't fit in that sort of gap. So if you needed help eating, brushing your teeth, 
those sort of aids for daily living. Just like even simple things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's really simple solutions that can be um, built. You know, someone can 3D print a a holder for a toothbrush or solder in a a reed switch into a toothbrush to turn it on if they can't press the button to it, right? That's something that a standard assistive technology program is not going to be able to sort of fund or cover. So what disabilities do you guys deal with the most? A lot of our work's been focused around people with... uh, physical disabilities so so they limited movement or dexterity but our repository of projects is crowdsourced we have a bunch of people who have added a number of projects we've had people that have added things around low vision supports uh, lightning stands magnifying source solutions um, music boxes for people dementia you know you give them the iphone in your pocket they're not going to figure out spotify probably not but uh, a 3d printed sort of radio case that looks like an old school radio that's got a raspberry pi underneath you know the front it's got two knobs Volume louder, quieter, next song, last song. Um, but underneath it's got modern technology sort of driving it. What's some of your favorite projects? Uh, one of the ones we got started with was the Lip Sync. It's basically a computer mouse you use with your mouth. So if you had maybe limited or no ability to use your hands, quadriplegic, uh, maybe ALS, um, it has a small mouthpiece that you can uh, kind of put in your mouth. Uh, it can be mounted to a wheelchair. Oh, you or have one desk. here in studio, yeah. Yeah, so the outer shell of it is 3D printed. Inside it runs an Arduino board. There's a Bluetooth. Like a little, little computer board. Yeah, an yeah. Arduino micro is about the size of your thumb, yeah. skinnier. Um, and then we've released code for it to work via Bluetooth with phones, um, to work with the Xbox now, so you can use it as a gaming sort of input. And um, it can be produced about 200 bucks worth of parts, where the commercial products are about... Twelve hundred to fifteen hundred. There are a lot. There are a lot more money, and they don't work on mobile phones. They're not. They're not portable. So there's been a lack of sort of innovation in assistive technology. So we're hoping that um, sort of new emergence and sort of consumer technology, like three D printing stuff, can really create solutions at a lower cost and use it as an opportunity, um, kind of really empower people. So let's talk about that device you're speaking of. You got it in your hand. So this is a mouth, a mouse for your mouth, essentially, and. How scalable is that? You know, there's a lot of people in the world that could use something like that. How easy is it to make a number of them? How do you even get them to know about it? All of that. Yeah, we've been doing uh, sort of trying to raise two audiences, I guess, at the same time, this project. One is the disabilities for professional and people with disabilities. Let them know that, you know, that button that you're buying for a client that costs $100, you could 3D print and make on your own for a couple bucks. And that there is, you know, a 3D printer in your library or there's a robotics program at your local high school that could help you with that. So really trying to raise awareness in the disability community about the possibilities of technology to solve some of these problems. And at the same time, going to, you know, people that are tinkers or makers or hackers and saying like, wow, you've done all this sort of projects. Do you want a 3D printer that's going to help somebody? We see a lot of school libraries or kids are maybe 3D printing Groot heads or benchy boats. Um, and it's like, OK, you can print that. How about you print this? And you can help your grandma open a jar. Or help a kid in your school be able to write independently or use the scissors independently. So really trying to raise awareness that you have skills that could help people socially and on the disability community. That there's uh, people in your community that have these sort of tools and capabilities. So an education process for the people or folks uh, with the disabilities. Uh, I guess there has to be some sort of communication strategy to to reach out to those. Uh, But also people that can actually make this stuff. Because the people with disabilities probably don't own a 3D printer and have these these tools. Yeah, so Matt, uh, sort of the core of Makers Making Change, we have repository projects, but it's a sort of connect feature. So anyone can go on the site, see a project, and request one in the community, and then we ping people that have offered to volunteer in the community to make that. So we've spoken at a lot of conferences around sort of disability and inclusion, um, as well as a number of maker fairs uh, around that. So we recently tried to, and help a scale, release some curriculum so teachers can kind of work through this, uh, kind of incorporate into the classroom. Um, and working on a similar sort of thing for libraries as well because these are spaces we find usually have access to technology and they're looking for ways to sort of incorporate um, 
STEM education and adaptive design learning into the curriculum. So we're trying to, you know, provide that solution to them. And also that work they do becomes a solution for somebody else. We're talking with Chad Lehman uh, with an organization called Makers Making Change. Uh, fantastic opportunity for people to get connected with people that have disabilities to help them come up with innovative, uh, I guess, products to make their lives uh, a little bit uh, easier. Any idea of how many people you've actually helped? Yeah, um, over the last couple of years since we've launched, we served over uh, 1,200 people across Canada and the United States. Wow. Um, and that's just the stuff that we kind of counter more directly involved. We have a 3D printed bottle opener. So, you know, I think your standard water bottle, Coke bottle, I've got arthritis hard open. That's been downloaded off Thingiverse over 40,000 times. So there's okay, certainly so the things we're directly involved with and yeah. the other people, it's the beauty and the chaos of open source. People take it, adapt it, do other things. What's your biggest challenge going forward? Uh, good question. Um, I think building systems to help us sort of scale. What we're just about to launch on our website is more of a sort of like a traditional web form because people uh, will post projects and then there's, you know, people may have comments or ideas and that's they're emailing me and my email is not scalable <laughs> no, <laughs> at no. all. Um, so yeah, but finding better ways to kind of help. There's, I think, a number of passionate people that want to help. And, just making uh, those connections. Yeah, and, and sometimes you know? I think I'm the roadblock or something. We're the roadblock and just in terms of like connecting all those dots. So trying to make that a more open sort of platform where people start going to connect and contribute, I think is one of our, our biggest parts that we want to... Be a challenge though, just the the quality control of the communication like making sure if there is a connection something actually happens yeah yeah so there's certainly a follow-up piece of that and same thing the projects where people like you know here's a you know a file that you can print it's like well can we get the core file so we can scale it for some different hands or you have like yeah. mounting guides so trying to have a sort of standards for sort of projects you know that there's you know a bill of materials and how much it costs and the instructions to actually build it for both steps as opposed to just a, a picture of it who do you find, uh, you know, as far as the makers, uh, the people that are actually making these projects and coming up with the ideas, is there a certain type of person, uh, an age demographic? Um, is it all over the had, board? Yeah, it has been all over the board. We've had good support from some corporations over the last uh, few months. Uh, TELUS, uh, Microsoft, uh, Electronic Arts, where wow. okay. their staff are looking for sort of, you know, ways to get back and involve the community. So instead of, you know, when soup and cups at the soup kitchen or picking garbage with creeks like you got a bunch of engineers here let's like and they really love use your skills, they love right? this stuff yeah so yeah they get to be you know playing their sandbox maybe outside those standard job description sort of pieces but kind of put their technical skills to work so we just did a huge event with electronic arts where um we had a number of different gamers with disabilities came in that showed their sort of custom rigs to the game developers and the game developers made a number of sister switches so you think if you can't hold an xbox controller um but perhaps you can move your knee maybe you can put map couples buttons to get bump of your knee if you don't have those fingers for your triggers so you know we had the head of the um team that creates the fifa game playing against one of the gamers with the disabilities and he was using assistive switches to get an idea for how that sort of works and feels so it's um you know it's an opportunity for those tech people to kind of get the skills but also makes them think about accessibility and the design yeah. of their products and how so they understand different people will do that right so there's some more you know you're helping a person today through this build but there's also hopefully some more systemic change that comes out of that how can people help if they feel inspired after listening to us talk? Yeah, um, if you go to makersmakingchange.com, that's the shortest URL I could come up with, <laughs> makersmakingchange.com, uh, people can sign up on the site, offer to volunteer their time, or request a project, or shoot us an email. The email's on the site too. We have a number of events that we're about to announce for fall, some local build-a-thrones both here in the Vancouver area and across the country. That was Chad Lehman uh, with Makers Making Change. Uh, if you want to find out more information, 
makersmakingchange.com. When we come back from the break, we're going to get uh, really nerdy with our good uh, science friend, nerd, Peter Vogel, and uh, teach you how to actually pull down weather satellite photos from American and Russian weather satellites. It's pretty cool. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I want to get really nerdy uh, right now and talk about something called SDR, software-defined radio. It's kind of a, a cool nerdy hobby that uh, a lot of people do. And when we are talking nerdy uh, science, we've got our best friend here, Peter Vogel from Vancouver. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, so I wanted to bring you on the program because we are Facebook friends. And suddenly on your feed, I started seeing all these crazy weather satellite photos. I'm like, has he lost his mind or does he want to be the next Mark Madriga? And uh, you've actually uh, come across a really kind of uh, cool hobby field uh, called software design radio that allows you to actually monitor, I guess, radio frequencies for things like uh, weather satellite images uh, and even aircraft and military aircraft as well. Can you just explain to listeners uh, what's going on here, what you've done? Sure. So software-defined radio uh, was something I was totally unaware of uh, a year ago. Someone handed me a little uh, USB-shaped dongle, and it took me another year to figure out exactly what it was. (laughs) This looks like a USB stick. Exactly like a USB stick, uh, if not smaller. uh, And I discovered that I could actually use it to pull in signals from weather satellites, American and Russian. And I thought, this is something that I have to do. And I, I worked at it for a month a lot of frustration. Um, I had to develop an antenna, which I ultimately did from just a little uh, set of old TV rabbit ears, actually with a broken arm. Mounted them horizontally uh, on a camera tripod initially, and I was as surprised as the next guy. A weather satellite image appeared on the screen. So you've got this tripod with an old broken down set of rabbit ears and uh, with a cable going into this USB stick that's attached to your computer and presto kazinga. Yes, a piece of coax cable that someone also gave to me. In fact, my total net cost was $7. I needed an adapter (laughs) cable, which turned out to be harder to find than uh, than I imagined. But once I had it, I plugged this into my computer. All the weather satellite software is free and uh, gorgeous images from the the NOAA weather satellites in America. There are three of them, and from a Russian satellite. And within the last week, a new Russian satellite has joined. So I have five satellites that I'm regularly pulling um, images in from. These, uh, and you know, we've in the studio right now, we've got a bunch of them uh, going on a slideshow or in a computer. They're beautiful high-res images. Yes, the, the Russian ones in particular, it's a different technology. The Americans use multispectral uh, analysis. The, their images are actually more sophisticated, don't look as high-res, but contain a lot of information, infrared, various spectral settings. Uh, and so a single pass may produce half a dozen different images uh, that, that you can look at on the computer. The, the, the whole image is assembled in a 15-minute pass, uh, the time it takes for the satellite to cross. And then uh, in the case of the NOAA or American satellites, the uh, images are processed automatically in the computer. And in the case of the Russian ones, a little bit of uh, extra work required uh, to run it through Photoshop, clean it up a bit, but it produces gorgeous images. And they're okay with you just pulling these images down? These images are broadcast around the clock in the 137 megahertz spectrum, which is where the software-defined radio comes in, because not an ordinary radio uh, will pull these in. You, you can get little radios that will tune 137. The key is the bandwidth. 
and a software-defined radio has an unusually large bandwidth that's variable. And you need a large setting uh, to, to pull in these images. And that's the magic of the software-defined radio. So you've really gone to town with weather satellite images, but uh, you can also pull down aircraft information. Like what kind of information can you get? Right. You can get data uh, streams from aircraft. You can get aircraft uh, calls into their uh, home base. You can do uh, the equivalent of radar tracking, uh, all that kind of stuff. That, that's a level away from me yet. I haven't come that far, uh, but it's something that I'd love to look into. I'd also like to look into tracking geosync uh, satellites that, that's satellites that are fixed and in, in permanent position you don't have to wait 90 minutes for the satellite to come around and uh, be in your field of view that takes more equipment more equipment um, more sophisticated antenna yeah just a, an order of magnitude more uh, work uh, my next step is to put my antenna up on the roof which should give me horizon to horizon coverage at, at the moment i don't have that it's up about five or, or six meters off my sun deck but it needs to get above the roof and then i can assemble composite images from multiple passes does your wife have a lot of life insurance on you uh hopefully i'm not sure we have to check with her <laughs> <laughs> so are there like black vans parked outside of your house <laughs> i am the black you van. <laughs> are the black van this is uh fascinating uh stuff and again i guess really cheap way to get into it. you said you only spent about you know less than ten dollars on yes this. in yeah. my case i spent ten uh, under ten dollars because someone actually gave me the radio and yeah. i didn't know what to do with it, it took me a, a year as i said um, but with these radios now uh, typically a, a radio can be bought uh, a good starting brand is no electric n-o-o-e-l-e-c north american company um, you can get a complete little package for 25 dollars uh, through amazon through their site and there are more sophisticated radios that have a wider spread, a spectrum spread. Typically, these software-defined radios go from zero to two gigahertz, maybe even more. So there's a one uh, that I brought with me called uh, SDR Play. And that's in the $200 range, has multiple antennas, um, multiple power sources, all that kind of stuff. Just a, an order of magnitude more sophisticated, but not needed at all for the weather satellite. We're talking with Peter Vogel, uh, all about software-defined radios, uh, a great hobby uh, for tracking down information on aircraft, military aircraft, and uh, even weather satellites. And again, some really amazing uh, imagery here. We're going to put them up on our website at getconnectedmedia.com so you can uh, check this out and uh, get a little bit more information on how this all works. Peter, thanks so much for coming down again. Thank you very much. This is Peter Vogel. When we come back, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo here in studio. It's that time. It's the Amazon Alexa skill of the week. If you've got an Amazon Echo speaker or one of the thousands of other devices that has Amazon Alexa built into it, and what doesn't nowadays, here's a skill for you. What do you got? Mommy Gram. Mommy Gram. Or Daddy Gram. Okay. They both work. So um, if your child's experiencing separation anxiety while you're heading into the school year, you can actually use Alexa to send a text message to your parent as a child. So okay. you're in the house, you can send a, a message by saying, Mommy Graham, and send your message, and it will send that message to the person you've set up in the Alexa app to receive that text message. So it's a, it's a cute way for your kids to send a message to you without having to have a phone. Oh, because they're home alone. That's right. Because you've left them alone. Right. Yes. Yes. And so parent. it's called Mommy Graham? Mommy Graham or Daddy Graham. They both work interchangeably. Okay. And you download 
off the Alexa store. Yeah, you just enable it. It's a it's called Mummygram to enable, and then uh, there's also Daddygram as as we mentioned, and then you can say you know ask Alexa, ask Mummygram to say I love you, and it'll send I love you. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, without having to have a cell phone. That's right. That's all the time we have left for Get Connected. I want to thank John and AJ for coming down. Don't forget to hit the podcast page on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got not only Get Connected, but also our sister show, The App Show, and all the podcasts uh, from months gone by. It's super cool. This is Mike, John, and AJ logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.